Good day to everyone. We want to welcome each and every one of you uh, for listening in. We are so excited to be here. Uh, we're so excited that you have tuned in today. We, we truly um, treasure uh, each and every one of you who take the time out of your day to listen to this lesson that I truly believe that, that God has laid, laid on our hearts. Uh, we have a very special guest again with you today. We got my wife Hannah with us. I'm so very thankful that she's here. Uh, and as always, we have uh, my good friend David. Um, how y'all been lately? Good. Good. Doing well. Good. What's been going on? All that much. I need to do a little shout out here. Okay, yeah. Uh, for Reagan B. She started a new podcast, um, Turn the World Upside Down. You can find it at your local app store from Apple or Spotify. Um, definitely encourage ladies out there to follow her and men as well. Uh, she's on this platform that she's able to, you know, share the gospel. Um, so, yeah. Get it, Reagan. Woo, woo. <laughs> Absolutely. Appreciate. Uh, appreciate that. Appreciate um, both of you being here. You know, it means the world to me um, that y'all are here and uh, but let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's get right into it. Um, we'll be in John chapter 15 for all of our listeners who want to open up your Bibles there today. And we're going to be looking at how our lives uh, reflect Jesus, right? That's kind of what we've been studying over the past several weeks and looking at how our lives are, 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 are to mimic Jesus. Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. I want to tell you like it is. That can even mean being treated as Jesus was. If we are called to reflect Jesus in our lives, that can even mean being treated as Jesus was. And, and so, like I said, over the past several weeks, our study has walked us through what our lives can be like if we choose to remain in Christ and choose to remain connected in Christ. And we've talked lots about those benefits. You know, just like last week, we talked about abiding in Christ that gives us joy. Right, and Brett just shared with us it's joy unspeakable. Um, but we've also talked about some of the challenges of being connected to Christ, and it's not easy, is it? It's it's not convenient, um, and so that's kind of where we're coming from today. And I want to focus on the challenges. I do want to focus on the challenges that we deal with as Christians, but I want to focus on the challenges in an effort to encourage you. Okay, this is going to be a lesson of encouragement, um, but but we are going to talk about uh, challenges. Um, and so to kind of gear our focus, uh, I want you to kind of think about this question and certainly feel free, uh, David, if you feel led to share, but those listening, think about this question. Why do you think some of the most rewarding achievements in our lives are usually the most difficult to accomplish? Why are some of the most rewarding achievements the most difficult to accomplish. Because you work so hard. Um, if, and even in the Bible, you know, when they were in the wilderness and, you know, they go through these trials or and tribulations, you know, the, when you finally get to the promised land, um, you know, you look back and you see how hard you worked, or even in trials here on this earth as well. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of, I, as I got to thinking about that, um, and my wife Hannah, she knows, um, my mom, I tell you what, she can give the best 
pep talks, the best um, speeches, if you will. And and growing up, you know, playing ball and uh, just really whatever I did, you know, whether it was school or whatever, me and my brother, she always said, how bad do you want it, right? How bad do you want it? How much uh, are you willing to give? You know, and I think some of the uh, things that we deal with, uh, it tests your character. Um, it tests who you are as a person. Um, a difficult task is is going to tap into different parts of your character. It may require a little patience, a little courage. It may require a little love, generosity, effort. You know, um, just earlier this week we watched Kansas uh, win the college basketball national championship. Uh, you know that in college basketball that is the most, uh, the highest achievement, right? The greatest mm-hmm. reward. And and you think about how difficult that is. You know, you were in a field of 68 teams, you know, 64, 32, 16, right? Eight teams, four teams, two teams. You know, you had to win seven, eight games in a row uh, against some of the toughest competition uh, in the nation. Um, And, you know, the Christian journey is kind of the same way. You know, it's simple. Um, uh, John 14, 6, as I've been saying the past couple of weeks, it's as simple as it gets. Uh, but it's not a cakewalk. And David, you share all the time. You know, the devil, the devil wants to eat your lunch, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he he wants to eat your lunch. And so, as we think about the Christian life, there are difficulties, there are challenges. And um, I want you to think about uh, to all of our listeners today. I want you to think about the weight of this these questions. Am I prepared to suffer? Am I ready to be hated for the sake of Jesus? You know, our goal as Christians is to become more like Christ, right? We are, our goal is to serve like Jesus, to love like Jesus, to, to help like Jesus, to have, you know, last week, Jesus' joy in us. But you also have to take into consideration being like Jesus means being treated like Jesus. And so we're going to be in John 15, coming on the heels of Jesus' command to love, what we talked about last week. And Jesus wants his disciples, he wants you and I, to understand all of the challenges uh, that come with being connected to Christ, right? Again, this is a lesson of encouragement because we can endure. We can stand strong in the face of adversity. The reward is totally worth it. And so we're going to kind of set this foundation of persecution, talk a little bit about that. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit how we live in a world of uh, that rejects Jesus. Uh, and then we're going to look at some of the encouragement uh, that Jesus gives. And so before we get started in our scripture, I'm going to open us up in prayer. Father God, I come to you right now, God, just thankful for an opportunity to share the gospel. Thankful for the opportunity uh, to worship you uh, through study. God, I'm so very thankful to each for each and every one of our listeners. I'm thankful for uh, my wife Hannah and my good friend David for taking time out of their day uh, to do this. God, I pray right now that you just uh, clear my mind, clear my heart, um, and and allow me to solely focus on you uh, for this lesson. Father, we love you and we thank you. In Christ's name, amen. So let's go ahead and jump right in. Let's read John chapter 15, uh, and we'll read verses 18 through 21. If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. 
Remember what I told you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name, for they do not know the one who sent me. Wow. The weight, uh, the weight of those words. I want you to remember, we're still in the upper room, right? They've had the Last Supper. Jesus has washed their feet. Judas has left. And he's speaking to his disciples, right? He's speaking to saved believers. I think that's important for us to understand who Jesus' audience um, is. And he says in verse 18, he begins, he says, If the world hated you, know that it hated me before. Jesus is telling you as a believer, if the world hated you, know that it hated me before. What that means is hatred um, and antagonism, if you will, hostility, opposition, comes because of our association with with Jesus. Hatred, hostility, and opposition comes with our association to Jesus. Um, is that concerning? Is that scary? What do you think about that? Maybe it's not. What do you think about that? You know, it is. You know, it, I think it is scary uh, from a human perspective. Let me say that. Um, it's scary to live in danger. It's scary to to take your Bible into the office. Um, it, it, it's scary to read your Bible in public. It's scary to think that because of our association to Jesus, people will hate us. You know that's what the Bible says. Uh, and here's where I want to. I, I hope to encourage you today. Opposition should not deter you from proclaiming the gospel. Opposition should not deter you from proclaiming the gospel. I want to read to you a quote I came across uh, this week. It says, With God, anything that stands against you will always be inferior to what resides within you. Do you think we ever refrain from sharing the gospel in fear, you know, because of fear uh, or, or in fear of rejection or opposition? Mm-hmm. I think... It is 100% human to be scared to talk about Jesus. And it's not, you know, once, it's not that you don't want to talk about him. It's, you know, it's just knowing the right answers to say, or you're scared about, you know, the confrontation because people are absolutely going to persecute you. They're going to try to make you feel like a fool. And, as our sin nature and our self and our flesh and our pride, we don't want to have that feeling of, well, I didn't know, but, you know, I had an old man tell me last week, and I know it's in the Bible, but an old man told me to stop. I talked to him and bought something from him, but he told me, he said, the Lord will equip you with exactly what you need, mm-hmm. you know, no matter what. You know, sometimes you're not going to be able to talk. Sometimes you're not going to have the right words, but... You know, if you're walking with God, you know, sometimes not saying anything is exactly how, you know, right. Jesus would answer. Yeah. Or turn away or, you know, the per- we're not going to have the perfect answer. Right. So I think knowing that if you are in that confrontation and you're going with God and you're in tune with God and your relationship's right, he's going to equip you. And it's not always knowing everything in this book. It's just going and being being willing and mm-hmm. watching God and you might think you messed up and said something but it might 
be exactly what that dude needed or that girl needed right. or you know in that manner so I think it goes back to walking with God in that relationship making sure you're in tune you're not in disconnect with him but yes the you talk of the persecution and the scared I mean I think I have a problem with that even on like the stage up here sure because you think and I'm in church I'm with I'm with Christian folk but it's so sad that I, when I want to talk, I'm scared. You know, I don't want people to have this impression of me of I'm better than them because I'm not. Mm-hmm. You know, I honestly want to help them. I honestly want to encourage them. So I have that issue. <laughs> you know, you said, are you scared? Yeah. Sure. And I'm the, like in, in a right setting, I'm like the most outgoing person. Yeah. But when it gets to, you know, I, I haven't overcome that. I don't, and, and sometimes I do overcome that, but it's something I struggle with for sure. Absolutely. You know, I think about why persecution? You know, um, why why do people reject Jesus? Uh, you know, we're talking about persecution today. Well, what's what's behind all this? You know, why do people hate Jesus? Well, what's behind all of it? Satan, right? You know, it's it, it's certainly real. It's certainly spiritual warfare. Um, persecution against Christians, against believers, is certainly the result of sin. It's the result of living in a twisted and corrupted world. Um, Hatred uh, not only towards Jesus, but hatred towards his followers. You know, verse 18 is very clear on that. If you claim Christ, hatred, hostility, opposition is to be expected. Uh, And then in verse 19, Jesus makes a comparison. He says, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Um, An interesting question, you know, there I don't really think necessarily know if there's a right or wrong answer, but what marks you as a member of this world? I think sin, you know, um, it, that, that's what kind of separates us um, from God, absolutely, is sin. And so it marks you as um, a member of this world. I want you to take a look with me at James chapter 4, verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Being a friend of the world is opposition to God. It's hostility to God. I want you to, you know, kind of relating back to last week, think about the evidence in your life that you're producing. Does the evidence in your life associate you with Jesus? Or does it associate you with the world? Are you producing what comes of the Spirit? Are you of the Spirit? Or are you producing what, uh, you know, what comes of a life in this world? Are you of this world? You know, what's the evidence? You know, again, the audience who Jesus is talking to is important. He's talking to saved believers. And he says, you don't belong to this world. Verse 19. You're not of this world. Your life, first of all, as a Christian, should be marked by love, right? We've, we've talked about that. That's the Christ-following indicator. Second of all, you should be producing spiritual fruit. 
Right? You should be producing evidence. Right? Love is a root. Obedience is a fruit. Right? And he says in verse 19, I have chosen you out of this world. Um, you're not supposed to look like this world or be like this world. I had someone explain to me one time, this world doesn't like strangers. And if you look at that, if you kind of think about that, that is one of Satan's best tactics is to take a stranger in this world and turn him into a neighbor. You know, this world uh, this world wants to influence us to go with them. This world wants to influence you to, to flow with them. Right? You just, you know, it, for example, look at what's on television these days. You know, that just... The, the stuff that you see on television, you know, it creeps into our minds. It creeps into our relationships, into our families, into our homes, into our schools, into our churches. Right? The world wants to influence us uh, to go with them. And, you know, they, 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 they want us and, and everyone to have peace uh, and to be in one accord. And, you know, I'm all about peace. Um, uh, I want that, but, but I can't tolerate what goes against God? Christ, Christ didn't call believers to a life free of conflict. Conversion, conversion to Christ can lead to persecution. Conversion to Christ can lead to strange relationships. I'm sure we all know, all of our listeners probably know uh, an example of that. Or I've experienced an example of that. The peace that Christ brings is peace for our deepest need. It's peace with God. That's the peace that Christ brings to us. Right? So this world, it tries to fool us and trick us by, by trying to incorporate worldly living into righteous living. Right? People want us as saved believers to tolerate their actions. That goes blatantly against the word of God. And so in my opinion, toleration, if you will, uh, is a tactic of Satan. You can still love someone, but not tolerate their actions. Think about uh, all the parents in the world, right? They still love their child. They just don't tolerate the actions when that child misbehaves. Well, not many parents anymore. You're right, David. Not many parents anymore. Uh, and, you know, this world wants us to say that this is acceptable um, uh, or that that is acceptable. And they want us to go against our beliefs and be a neighbor, uh, not a stranger. Right? But Jesus says if you follow him in verse 19, you're not a neighbor. You're a stranger. That's why the world hates you. I, I, I was, As I was preparing for today's lesson, I was uh, came across a thing that says, the world says love yourself, but Jesus says deny yourself. The world says serve yourself, but Jesus says serve others. The world says forgive yourself, but Jesus says forgive others. The world is directly opposed to the agenda of Jesus Christ. We're not supposed to be like this world. And if you are, we need to check some things out. You know, that, 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 you know if you evaluate yourself and you, and you find yourself to be going against the Word of God, which we'll talk about here uh, momentarily, you need to check yourself out, right? And, and, and so I think Satan, you know, he, he uses uh, that to try and lure us in. He plays on our emotions. He plays on our doubt. He plays on our lack of faith. Uh, he can play on our lack of biblical knowledge. 
to say that something is acceptable when we're not, you know, when we don't know what the Bible says about it. Right? You don't belong to this world. And as a follower of Christ, being a stranger in this world, persecution should not be surprised. If you look at verse 20, Jesus says, he, he quotes John 13, 16. He says, A servant is not greater than his master. Since the world persecuted Jesus, the disciples would also experience that persecution. But there's encouragement here in verse 20. He says, If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. Right? If they obey Jesus' teachings, Jesus promises that they will obey and trust the disciples' teachings. Right? That's, in, that's encouragement uh, to me that despite the hatred that's shown to us, we keep showing the gospel. We keep living the gospel. And we build up all of this. We, we, we talk about all that to get us to verse 21. Now, I asked earlier, why persecution? Why do people uh, reject Jesus? Why do people reject us as believers? Verse 21, why does this world hate you? Why will they treat you this way? Why are we persecuted? It says for the name of Jesus. People, you, you hear me say this all the time, uh, people object or, or reject Jesus because they don't need a Savior or they don't want a Savior. If Jesus is Lord of my life, then I'm not. If Jesus is King of my life, then I'm not. People reject Jesus because Jesus exposes sin. He exposes wickedness. He exposes darkness. Right? Where Jesus says, you know, where there's light, you know, there is no darkness. Jesus says, I am the light. And, you know, that's basic science. Where there's light, there is no darkness. People don't like light shown on their lives. And so many so-called Christians will go against God and stand up for the devil because they don't like to talk about sin. They don't like to talk about wickedness. How can you stand up for something? How can you support something that God hates? You know? What's that mean for us as believers? Uh, again, failure to act is in fact an act. Uh, why are we always so quiet about sin? Sin should be handled appropriately, yes. But if someone, if someone is going astray from Christ, do you think that being silent about that so that they won't hate you is going to help them. No, that's the worldly nature. Mm -hmm. I think a true friend, and you know, me and you try to do this with each other. We straight up. Sometimes it's not what we want to hear. Yeah. Like you know, a true friend's honest, and you know, you can't wear your feelings on your sleeves. So. I heard a I heard a man explain it to me this way one time. Um, if I knew without a doubt, David, that a truck was headed right for you, pedal to the metal, hundred miles per hour, there's a certain point in which I would jump in and tackle you, right? Um, yeah, I, I feel you would do the same for me. There's a certain point you would jump in and tackle me. Um, well, not for you, but for Hannah. 
Oh yeah, <laughs> thanks, sir. Thanks. Uh, she can't live without you, baby. That's exactly right. Um, but you know, that's this is more important than that, right? So many times we we shy away from sharing the gospel. So many times we shy away in fear of persecution, in fear of opposition, in fear of rejection, in fear of hostility. But honestly, honestly, how much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about Jesus? How much do you have to hate someone not to tell them about Jesus and what he can do in your life? That, what you said there about, you know, we don't think of it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I told you, you know, I struggle with talking in front of people, and we all do. And anybody that's listening is going to say, yeah, I just don't have the courage. But if you think of it like you just said, you know, no matter if you hate the person or they discourage you or they, you know, are everything we talked about there, at the end of the day, it's about eternity with Jesus or eternity in hell. Mm-hmm. And to look at it in that manner, you're going to be a lot more bolder even when someone persecutes you to, um, you know, no matter what. You know, at the end of the day, that's what's happening. Yeah. <clears throat> Opposition, even from a brother or a sister in Christ, should not deter you from proclaiming the gospel to them. Um, and yes, uh, I think we've kind of came to this conclusion. Christians can persecute other Christians. Why? We don't like our sin called out. We don't like that. We don't like, you know, we don't want confrontation. Um, But like I said, there comes a point where we need to jump in and tackle some people. You know, and this passage uh, should be an encouragement to us, right? You've been loved. You've been called by a Savior who has saved you out of a world of death. He has reached his hand way down for me and for you. And he gave you a world of life. Following Jesus is supposed to look different. What we believe and what this world believes does not line up. We fight our sinful nature. Think about that. We fight our sinful nature by living in the Spirit so we can become more like him. And there is an inevitable result of following Jesus. There's an inevitable result that we receive from this world, and that result is hatred and conflict. Prepare yourself. I want to read to you some uh, statistics. Um, uh, I want to read a few here about persecution. Three hundred and nine million Christians in the world experience high levels of persecution and discrimination for their choice to follow Christ. One in eight Christians worldwide experience high levels of persecution. Four thousand seven hundred sixty-one Christians killed for faith-related reasons. Four thousand four hundred eighty-eight churches and other Christian buildings attacked. 4,277 believers detained without trial, arrested, sentenced, or imprisoned. 2.7 times the amount the number of Christians killed has risen in sub-Saharan Africa year over year. 20 consecutive years, North Korea 
has ranked number one as the world's most dangerous place for Christians. Every day, 13 Christians worldwide are killed because of their faith. Every day, 12 churches or Christian buildings are attacked. Every day, 12 Christians are unjustly arrested or imprisoned and another five are abducted. And we can't even get to church. We don't understand a lot of those statistics because they don't simply happen in America where we live and we should be thankful for that. Go ahead. I got something when you're ready. No, you go ahead, David. Go ahead. So last week we talked about um, when you, she was talking about persecution and when you get Jesus' love, the Lord's going to have to help me with this, but when you get Jesus' love, what did that give us? Last week, where we talk about the joy, joy unspeakable, the, the joy unspeakable, and and you, and when you get Jesus's love, we're to bear His cross as He did. Mm-hmm. We're to take up our cross. We're to lay our life down for our friend. So you know, you say I'm being persecuted, but that's fine, mm-hmm. okay? Because if you go get Jesus's love, which what we talked about last week. You know, you're going to be able to love like Jesus because you went and got it. And when that love gets there from last week that you got and you kept this week, when you got persecuted, you, be, you then, the persecution comes, you say, I, I, I'm going to lay my life down here. I'm going to humble myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, you know, it doesn't matter. And I think if you get out of that love, the persecution overwhelms you. Yeah. It really does. And the statistics are... Alarming, they're real, um, but it comes back to that love mm-hmm. that you have access to. <clears throat> yeah, we do have access to it, right, by abiding in Him. Um, so let's kind of build on that actually a little bit, David. Um, let's go ahead and read John chapter 15, um, and we'll go 22 through 25, verses 22 through 25. If I had not come and spoken to them, They would not be guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father as well. If I had not done among them the works no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. As it is, they have seen, and yet they have hated both me and my father. But this is to fulfill what is written in their law. They hated me without reason. So there's certainly a a lot to unpack here. I want us, of course, to always be mindful of the context here. Jesus is explaining, going back to last week, that those who abide in him can expect persecution. As we think about persecution, Christians receive persecution because, as it says in verse 21, they don't know God. They don't know who Jesus is. And, and, And as this world continues to live in sin... Look at what the Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 4, that it is in the sin nature of a person to seek others to sin with them. 1 Peter 4, 4. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. It is in the sinful nature of a person to seek others to sin with them. The, the, the Christian choice, let me tell you, the Christian choice to not live for worldly pleasures 
as it says in 1 Peter 4, 3, it provokes the world to anger and hostility and opposition. When a Christian will not live in that way, those people get offended and they get angry that we don't do that. First of all, a, a, a Christian should not have any interest in ungodly living. Do we fall? Yes. Do we stumble? Yes. Do we sin? Yes. Is that your interest to do such things? It shouldn't be. It shouldn't be your interest to willfully sin. But do we mess up? 100%. Second, secondly, we, we alluded to it earlier, our sinful nature prefers not to be informed about our sin. We don't like our sin and our wickedness being brought to light because it hurts. It's embarrassing. It's shameful. And so we fool ourselves into thinking that if we don't know, then it's not our fault. What's that look like? We try to hide sin. We try to minimize sin. We try to push the sin. We try to blame the sin on someone else. And I think whenever you think about it that way, when you think about how we make excuses for our sin, that really puts it in context for verse 22. In verse 22, Jesus says, The excuse of, I did not know, that persecuting Christians, the sin of persecution, that excuse does not apply to those who hear the truth and attack it. These people who Jesus is warning the disciples of, they have heard the truth and they attack it because they don't know God. They don't want their sin brought to light. And that's exactly what Jesus does. Persecution in this respect is not about ignorance. It's about following a sinful heart. It's about rejecting the truth. Jesus puts it simple in verse 23. Whoever hates me hates my father. Whoever hates me hates my father. John 14, 6 again says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. No person can turn away from Christ and still find God. And we have over 4,000 recognized religions in this world. That's 4,000 recognized religions. That means people have found what they believe 4,000 different ways to get to God. It's, it, it's not ignorance. It's a simple rejection of Jesus. If you look at verse 23, this rejection of Jesus is rejection of God the Father. You know, uh, again, going back to what we discussed last week, it's a kind of a mathematical equation. If they reject Jesus, don't be surprised when they attack you. Hatred, as 1 Peter 4.4 4 says, hatred is a common response when believers refuse to join non-believers in evil. Prepare for that. Then in verse 24, Jesus tells the disciples, He did among them the works that no one else did. You know, that's fact. I want you to think about it. It's been over uh, 400 years since, since uh, word had came from, from God prophetically. There's a 400-year period there between the book of Malachi and Matthew uh, where God had, did not speak prophetically to someone. That intertestamental period, if you will, was setting the stage for God's plan of deliverance for Jesus. And so many people saw the works, they heard the messages, and yet they did not believe. It says they have seen and yet they hated him. I can't stress it enough. It's, it's not ignorance here. It's a hatred of Christ. It's a rejection of God despite knowing the truth. 
they rebel, they reject because they don't want uh, Jesus to be Lord of their life. I can build on that a little bit. God gives us evidence. Right? It's written on our hearts to know good and evil. Take a look at Romans chapter 1, verse 18 and 19. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. This section in, in, in the book of Romans, uh, it begins to describe God's actions and attitudes towards sinfulness. And we've already talked a little bit about all of us by nature, sinful nature. We don't want really to know what's true about God. And we don't want others to know know it either, 1 Peter 4.4. 4. And people don't believe because they don't want to believe. The, the problem is not that truth is unavailable. It's not ignorant. The problem is that the truth is suppressed, as it says in Romans chapter 1. They hold it back from themselves and others. It says the wrath of God in verse 18 is against ungodliness. And Paul says in verse 19 that God has made himself evident to us. You know, in the basic sense, you look at creation. You look outside. How can you tell me that there's not a God? David in Psalms chapter 19 I'd encourage you to read that, Psalms chapter 19, specifically verses 1 and one through 6. Psalms 19. Yeah, yeah, David, pull, go ahead and pull it. it up. Let's read it. Yeah, I'm in. Listen to what, listen to what David says um, in The Psalms heavens chapter declare 19. the glory of God, and the firmament showeth his handiwork. Day unto day utter his speech, and the night unto night showeth knowledge. Each day, every day. He's consistent. Mm-hmm. If you're looking for him. If you're looking for him. And even in that, like in your body, you can't sit there and tell me that there is no God. Mm-hmm. If you study the actual human body, and I have, I went to school for it, but I don't do it anymore, but. It is absolute. Anybody that ever studies the human body knows there's a God and there is a great God. And that is in that human body is enough. And that came out of a rib and dust. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, here, here, here we are. Um, phew. And, I, and David talked about the firmament in the air and I hadn't even mentioned that. Yeah. You start going outside, and I'm outside every day, and you see Jesus in a rainy day. You see Jesus in a cold day. You see Jesus in a warm day. I mean, them sunny days, are he's shining awful nice. Yeah. It's everywhere if you're open to it, but it's, it's all about pride and mm-hmm. control, letting go. Matthew chapter 7, God gives everybody knowledge to seek Him. uh, And that those that do will find Him. But those that don't are without excuse because they willfully ignore the obvious. It's obvious uh, that there's evidence of a God. So disobedience is, is not a result of ignorance, but it's a result of rebellion. And then Jesus quotes Psalm 69 verse 4 
in verse 25, which is a psalm of David. More in number than the hairs of my head are those who hate me without cause. Jesus continually did good, both physically and spiritually. Yet you couldn't count how many hated him. Being, being like Jesus is being treated like Jesus. Um, you know, last night, Wednesday night, uh, Hannah, we were there with Miss Erica with the children. We were reading in the Gospel of Luke um, as Jesus was walking to the skull, uh, Golgotha, place of crucifixion, and it says a great multitude followed him. I think my personal opinion, that was primarily the ones who wanted to see him crucified. You had a few, you had a handful of individuals who followed Jesus. But primarily they are the ones who wanted to see this man named Jesus crucified. It says you couldn't count how many people hated him. You know, he he showed up and he lived a life that showed people he was the answer to their deepest need. He came to give us peace with God. That's the peace that Christ brought us. And we've already talked about that. He came to give us peace with God, yet they violently opposed Him. That still happens today in our community. That still happens in our places of work. We live in a world that continues to reject Jesus despite the beautiful truth that He's given us. We live in a world that's godless. Mm -hmm. Period. And people say... You know, they believe in God, but when you believe in something, you know, you seek after it. You know, if yeah. I believe in you, you know, I trust you. Yeah. I know that you're my friend. You know, we're going to hang out. We're going to talk. We're going to, you know, we're going to get try to get along. Um, we lose, I lose all my pride, you know, when I'm around you to hang out with you, be your friend. It's not about me. It's about hanging out, having a fun, having a good time. Same with Jesus, you know. Yeah. If you if Jesus is Lord of your life, and He's not, and I can say this in half of America at least, probably, if He was in half of America, it'd be a whole different place. It's He's not. Yeah. If He's Lord of your life, that's all you think about. That's all you like. Every every conversation you have in your truck, in your day to day life, is a constant. You're talking to him in fellowship, in tune, because when something's Lord of your life, and take that, whatever you're addicted to, whatever you have in your life, whatever is is controlling you every day, and I can say 90% of America, it's your phone, mm -hmm. and you've taught, hit on that in the youth sessions, and you know it needs to be said in the church, and, and a reminder, and yeah, I can say it, but really, your phone is king of your life. Oh, we don't like that. No, it's not. Well, <laughs> when something's king in your life, you look at how much time you spend in it. Yeah. So you have to answer that. It's, I mean, it, it's something we don't talk about. It's something that people don't want to talk about. <clears throat> and, you know, I have a business and I get to work and I'm scared half to death to invest so much time into that thing because I see how it sucks me in. And I'm like constantly battling that because I know I want to succeed. I want to push hard. I want to, but I know that 
that does not matter. That is so dumb. Like, what matters is what I do for him, how I impact this world. I get maybe 10 more, or maybe I have 30 more years left, maybe 40, if God's nice to me. Mm -hmm. And if we would look at it in that manner, you know, I give my 100% every day. You were Lord of my life, and it's we're going to fall. Yeah. But get back up and get Jesus Lord of your life. And, you know, when you say that, man, it fires me up because that's the problem. That's the problem. Mm-hmm. And the Apple phone has created, which is of the devil. Yep. Um, we can't live without it. And, you know, it's got good assets. Like we're trying to do a podcast right now through software. But, you know, it can be Lord of your life. Absolutely. <clears throat> Absolutely. Uh, you know, that was actually, the, that, you know, you touched on it. That is the encouraging part of this message you know is um, what jesus did for you um that should encourage us to make him lord of our life when you realize that and and so let's let's build on that uh david let's talk about that encouragement jesus tells all of this that we've talked about he warns of one uh, warns us of all this persecution for a reason um so take a look at john chapter 16 uh we'll read verses one through four all this i've told you so that you will not fall away. They will put you out of the synagogue. In fact, the time is coming when anyone who kills you will think they are offering a service to God. They will do such things because they have not known the Father or me. I have told you this, so that when their time comes, you will remember that I warned you about them. Hmm. If you look back at verse 1, it says, He tells them all these things. Why? So they will not fall away. That's what it says, right? Jesus is talking about all this stuff so that they will not fall away. Jesus wants them, he wants you and I to be prepared. He wants us to be prepared for hostility. Be prepared to walk through a minefield, if you will. When you think about that, walking through a minefield for Jesus. Be prepared. Don't be discouraged and don't drop out of the struggle. Yeah, you said it. Like, take that like that thought of a minefield because people are gonna blow up around you they and that's they're not literally but literally their lives so you know we me and Tony's talked about this you got to stay focused Mm -hmm. you know we're talking about persecution we're talking about this we're talking about that but you know people make mistakes yeah people are gonna and there's going to be a day where, you know, this Christian's going to have a bad day and he's going to run you, he's going to say the wrong word and turn you the wrong way and get you in the wrong attitude. And it came from a Christian. It came, and, and imagine getting with someone that hates God. You know, we say, you know, we're suffering persecution, but if you get around somebody that actually hates God, it's scary. Yeah. Um, it's You can't talk to them. Really. And you wonder, you know, Lord, you get those my and like you said, we get back to Jesus is warning us here. Yeah. What she read, you know, I'm warning you, David. I'm warning you, Johnny. I'm warning you, Hannah. You know, your friends are going to discourage you, and it's not that you know your friends are just so awful bad. It's just that in those moments and in life, you you got to stay in persistence, and that's with brothers in Christ have to help each other and. That minefield, man, that was a great terminology because 
You know, you're trying to live with Jesus and be king of your Lord of your life, and then you got these things blowing up around you, blowing up, yeah. and that's how it is. And yeah, it's literally, a, how are you gonna handle it? Yeah. And he's, and Jesus says, you know, it's gonna happen, David. It's gonna happen. Don't freak out. Don't worry. And we're not to worry in the first place. Right. Uh, so knowing that, I think you can get back in tune with him when those actions happen when you were when that initial happens you know getting back focused in him i think that it's a great people listening you know of the minefield that's reality as well absolutely you know it's it's an encouragement not to be discouraged um not to drop out of the struggle. And David, you and I talked about this earlier this week. I'm going to read Matthew chapter 10, verse 14. Jesus says, red letter, And if anyone will not receive you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet when you leave that house or town. Uh, We've already identified and established the fact that people will persecute you, that people will hate you. People will be in opposition of you. But Jesus instructs the disciples here in Matthew 10 to go teach, heal, and preach, if you will. However, whenever you go and do these things, you will face opposition. And so this is a reminder. What I just read to you is a reminder not to carry anything, if you will, from those who reject the message of Christ. This is what I would call an Elmo message. Enough, let's move on message. To those who are hostile. I'm not saying stop sharing the gospel. But be aware. People reject the gospel. Be aware that people are hostile towards Jesus. And so this hatred uh, and rejection can come in many ways. In ways that we may not expect it. Verse 2. Um, it says soon they will put you out of the synagogue. That's not in the sense. Uh, I don't want to, us to be confused. That's not in the sense of kind of what the pandemic did. Because of the pandemic and an effort to avoid infection, several churches closed down. Okay, being put out of the synagogue, it, it, that's not what we're talking about here. This meant, this meant being excommunicated from the church. This meant being banished from the church. Um, you're wrong if you don't think that still happens in 2022. Religious people, and you know how I feel about the word religious, anyone can be religious. Buddhists are religious. Muslims are religious. You know how I feel about that. I don't want to be identified as religious. I want to be identified as a Christ follower. Religious people may dismiss biblical Christians as being too strict or too loose and put them out of the church. People, People simply don't want to hear the gospel of Christ. In fact, it says there's a time coming when anyone who kills you will think that they are offering a sacrifice to God. People can be so blinded still in 2022 that they see the murder of Christians as an act of righteousness. We need need to wake up to that. We need to wake up to the statistics Hannah read earlier. We don't recognize this in America. We've been spoiled to a certain aspect. People have suffered for 2,000 years and longer, really, for Jesus. And still to this day, people are suffering. Yes, some in America, but you look at those statistics, people are paying the ultimate price for their faith, and that's death. 
And so, you know, what do, how do we respond to that? That should encourage us to see what our brothers and sisters are doing, what, they're, what, they're, what they are enduring, what they are going through. And here we are, this ain't in my notes, but I'm thinking in my mind right now, here we are, we get upset and we get our feelings hurt because someone calls us out, you know, appropriately. I will say it needs to be done appropriately, but someone calls us out on our sin and we get upset about it. How much, how much closer you want the truck to get to you before you want me to tackle you? How much longer you want to take it? How much longer you want to stand there before you want me to jump in and help you? <laughs> this message is a message of awareness. It's a message of encouragement. You know, God is still God. God is still in control. God is still on the throne. But persecution isn't the last of the story. And so as we kind of bring all this together, we'll, we'll kind of wrap it up here. How do you think knowing something is difficult? We, we've, uh, we've established the fact that this is difficult. How does knowing that now help you prepare for it? It gives you a different attitude because I can take it back to, you know, what I love is sports and basketball. If you know the solution to beat the other team and you execute it and persistently it pays off and then you become a champion or you work so hard um, and you get the recipe, you know, you do all this scouting, this pre-scouting, you know, this is what they're going to do. This guy can't go left. Make him go right. This guy can't shoot going to the left. He can't shoot going to the right. You get all this information. Same with Jesus. And if you really, you don't have no excuse. Mm-hmm. Like, honestly, we don't. Every Anything you struggle with here in this word, um, there's no excuse. You've got the plan for attack. You've got, And now we struggle. Like, I mean, this week, you know, you have to realign, you have to focus, you have to find, you know, we're studying this right now, but two months from now, you're going to remember this? The recipe when you need it to succeed? I mean, you got to stay in the Word and focused and you know, we bring it all the way back from the beginning. I think your hard work... And knowing God said this isn't going to be easy, so gird up your loins, yeah. man up, and we don't have anybody manning up around here, yeah. anywhere, and gird up your loins and, you know, walk in a way that Jesus is Lord of your life, walk in a way that you know the plan, you know what's coming, you know, and you know it takes, in, like this podcast encourages me, you know, if, if five people listen to it, I know it helps me and Johnny. And now it's going to help Hannah. Mm-hmm. Just talking amongst the promises and the plan that he's given us, you can't lose. Yeah, It's an unstoppable plan. So I put that in sports realm. You got the plan. You got, oh wait, Jesus just warned you this was going to happen. Jesus just warned you that the minefield's going to blow up. Why are you acting all crazy? Yeah. You know, why are you acting, oh, somebody's hurt your feelings? I just told you you're going to be persecuted. Come on, man. Yeah. Like, so it comes back to persistence, hard work, 
you know, it's not going to be easy. You know, being a Christian is far from being easy. It's out of your human nature to walk with God every day. It is. And you have to over you have to get out of that. You have to get out of the sin nature and and go and walk with him and talk with him and you know, the plan is here. You have the plan for the best trophy. And that trophy, you know, he's going to give. And how you live in this life, you can go about it and mamby-pamby or or moping around all the time. You can. Like, people do it all the time. There's half the church folk that do it. Woe is me. That ain't, you know, it's going to be hard. And I walk out of here, you know, we're probably going to struggle with something. But this encouragement, knowing that it's okay, that it's hard, and we're going to grind here, we're going to get with it, and God's going to see us through, we're going trust to in, trust in what we're talking about here. We've got the plan, and it's kind of nice when you know what's coming. They're going to trap you every time in the corner, dude. Yeah. God's telling you, <laughs> you know, when I know that not to go to this corner in the game, and I know what's going to happen because my preparation told me and the sun is shining. Look at Jesus shining here. shining in right now. Come on. He is shining. So that's, and we forget it. Yeah. I'm guilty. I don't have it all together. But when we focus on this and you bringing out the word, it helps me so much. Like we get the plan and it's not Johnny's plan. It's the plan. Right. It's the plan. You know, God has God has no desire to surprise us. You you talked about that with coming challenges. He doesn't want you to be surprised. Um, so don't be surprised that living like Jesus means being treated like Jesus. Um, persecution, uh, though we don't fully understand it. I, I don't think we fully get it because of the country that we live in. We're blessed. Don't get me wrong. Blessed to worship and serve however we choose. So we don't fully understand it. Um, but persecution in the least, it's still scary. It's still unsettling. Um, but it doesn't impact the final outcome. We don't, we don't go into persecution with our fingers crossed hoping that things work out. We go into persecution uh, with our hands folded in prayer on our knees. Persecution, let me, let me just warn um, I, well, I'm not warning. Jesus warns. Uh, it's on its way. And just you know, little bit after this happened, look at what the disciples dealt with in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 5 tells a story. It says, They called the apostles in and they had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and they released them. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. I'll read that again. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing that they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. Every day in the temple courts and from house to house, they did not stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. We can live in the promise that the battle has been won in John 16, 33. Jesus says, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. How do you prepare for persecution? 
blood spiritual battle. Read up on Ephesians 6. If you're going to battle, you need to go in with armor. Being connected to Christ also means being empowered by the same spirit that he had. We need to spend time in prayer. We need to spend time in the word. Right? We ain't in this alone. We've been warned to prepare for suffering. We've been warned to prepare for these challenges and difficulties, but we have hope. We have peace that we can endure because he is with us and he is worth it. We certainly appreciate everyone tuning in and listening. We hope that you find encouragement in this lesson. I appreciate my wife Hannah for being here. I certainly appreciate David as well and his faithfulness. David, would you mind closing us out? Dear Lord, I just want to pray and talk to you for a little bit, for a minute here. God, I just thank you, Lord, for another day. God, and I don't deserve anything, Lord. And I want to say thank you for my health, Lord. And I want to say thank you, you know, for what Johnny's brought here. And, it, and it's your word, Lord, but how, it, how, how he just brings it alive to us and, and just shows it in a way that helps me, Lord, that I pray I can share it with others in the way that Donnie shared it, Lord. And to know, you know, anyone out there listening, to know that you have the script, you have the plan, you have, you have, Jesus is warning you. Jesus is telling you. You have the, the scout, the ultimate scout uh, that's warned you for what's to come and what's happening. And to, to know that that's your God, to know that you have access to that um, today. Man, that is powerful. It's encouraging. Lord, to be, it gives confidence. Lord, it brings me joy. And Lord, those are all things that you promise. God, and Lord, I pray as we leave this room, Lord, I pray for, Lord, our, as we walk out of here, God, I know that, you know, Johnny and Hannah are going to be attacked. Lord, the devil doesn't like what's going on. Lord, I pray for them. God, I pray for the ones that are listening. God, I pray that they can grasp this little concept each week that Johnny brings, Lord, through your word. God, and I pray that you encourage him this week. And Lord, I just want to say thank you, Lord, and I do love you. In your name, amen.